Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we desire to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson finishes up his series titled Elevate with part eight, Elevate Others. In this final Elevate message, four keys are revealed that lead us to see others properly, which in turn enables us to treat others properly. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. And we're actually ending our Elevate series this morning. Uh, To date in the series, we've elevated God, we've elevated Jesus, we've elevated our identity so that we know who we are in Christ, we've elevated our thinking, we've elevated church. Um, Last week, we talked about the concept of humility and elevating humility, and that that leads us really to elevate Christ. I want to tie into that uh, on this last message this morning, this concept of humility, and deal with the topic of elevate others. Because when we talk about humility, actually two things happen. When we walk in humility, not only do we elevate Jesus, but we end up elevating others. We've defined elevate in two ways, to lift up and to step it up. So this this message this morning, I think both definitions apply again. Because to elevate others means we're going to lift them up. We're going to put them in their rightful place. That doesn't mean we worship them. doesn't mean we put them on a pedestal. But it means we lift them to a place that they should be in our life. But it also means for some of us to do that, we may need to step it up. But also something that's unique with this topic is when we effectively elevate others, that may involve helping them to step it up as well. Hopefully that'll make a little more sense as we walk through the process here in just a moment. As we talk about Elevate Others, I want you to keep in your mind that it involves two things. It involves an attitude and an action. It involves how we see others and how we treat others. So with that in mind, let's look at the passage. Philippians chapter 2, we're just going to look at two verses that are tucked away in the midst of this discussion about who Christ is. Verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. I want us to look at four keys to elevating others, four elements, um, four aspects, four ingredients, whatever helps you understand. There are four dynamics that will help us that have to be a part of who we are in order to elevate others effectively. So here's the first one. It's perspective. We have to have the proper perspective. Verse three says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I don't know if any of you saw this movie or not. It came out in 2001. It was called The Others. It starred Nicole Kidman. And the storyline goes that she's a mom, has two children. She moves to an English coast, a big home that you would consider, you know, kind of a mansion in an English coast city. And she says that her, her children have a photosensitivity disease. So they can't have, be exposed to light at all. Sunlight, um, light. So 
they always kept the blinds shut during the day. They kept the lights turned off. They have a few candles burning. Well, as the movie progresses and the storyline progresses, she begins to think that her house is haunted and there are ghosts living in the house because all kind of weird things are taking place. She pulls the blinds down, goes to another room, comes back, and the blinds are up. She turns the light off, goes into another room, comes back in, the lights are on. Bath water starts to run, doors, you know, all, just all that kind of stuff. So she's scared and fearful for her family because she thinks her house is haunted by ghosts. Well, as you get toward the end of the storyline, toward the end of the movie, you see a scene where a family is moving out of the house. And they're moving out of the house because they believe the house is haunted. And you haven't seen this family. And here's the twist in the storyline. The house in the movie was haunted, but they were the ghosts. They thought there were ghosts living in the house haunting them, but in reality, they were the ghosts haunting the people living in the family. I mean, living in the home. And so they left. Here's the point I'm trying to make, is their perspective was all messed up. Their perspective was wrong. Because their perspective was wrong, it affected how they saw others and how they treated others. So if we're going to elevate others, it starts with having the proper perspective. In this passage, it starts out, do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit. Selfish ambition means to be self-seeking. Vain conceit means an empty conceit. It means a pride that has no proper basis. In other words, it's unwarranted pride. This selfish ambition, vain conceit, it says, I think that I'm something special. I think I'm better than everybody else. And because I'm so special, whatever I do, I'm going to do for myself because I'm the special one. And since I'm the special one, life revolves around me, so everything I do is going to impact me favorably. It's going to benefit me, and life is all about me. It's the epitome of selfishness. That's what these words are describing. It's the epitome of selfishness. So with that perspective, everything I do is from a selfish motivation. But what's weird is there's no basis for that. In other words, it's vain conceit. In other words, it's empty. I'm not really better than anybody else. I just think I am. So it's not reality. It's just a perspective of selfishness that I have. So what this is saying is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, don't do anything. Don't live selfishly. It's really saying you need to change your perspective so it's no longer a selfish perspective. To elevate others, we've got to have this proper perspective that says, I value in others. I value others. And that means that I'm going to invest in others. When I change this perspective and take it out of the selfish motivation, then I begin to realize and treat people differently because I begin to understand their value. Now, that perspective leads us to the second element, and that's a perception. When I have the proper perspective, now I can have the proper perception. Look at the rest of verse 3. It says, not only do nothing in selfish ambition, they can see, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. I hate to admit that I'm in this life stage, but I actually wear trifocals now. You can't see them. They're no line trifocals, but they're trifocals. I've actually worn glasses most of my life. I was a little kid when I first got glasses, but they were single lens, you know, single vision lenses, you know, forever. 10 or 12 years ago, I don't remember, I went to the eye doctor and um, in the checkup, the eye doctor said, you're on the verge of needing bifocals. 
So since you're on the verge, you're not there yet, but you're getting close. But since you're here, I can just go ahead and give you bifocals and you can just go ahead and be prepared. I said, no way. Ain't, I ain't that old. I'm not getting bifocals because I associated bifocals with that. No, I'm not wearing bifocals. So I left. I said, I'm not doing that. Well, a few months later when I was, was teaching at that time, back that time I didn't use a, this. I, I just held my Bible and read like this. Well, three, three or four months later when I was trying to read the Bible, I got to where it was blurry. <laughs> I couldn't read what I was reading, but I wasn't about to go get bifocals. So I realized that I could do this and I could see it. So no kidding, this is the truth. For, for several months, when I came up to read my Bible and when I was teaching, I did it like this. I'm sure everybody's going, what's he doing? So I did that for several months. Well, several months later, I got to where I, that became blurry and I couldn't see it. So I said, I'm not getting bifocals. I'm not doing it. So I went out and I bought a large print Bible. And it's this Bible right here. I still have it. That way I could read the large print for a while. Well, you know, after a while, same thing happened. It got blurry again. So finally I gave in and had to get bifocals. Well, a few years ago, that has changed a little bit more. So now I'm wearing trifocals. I don't know if they make quadrifocals or not. I don't know. But what that means is if I want to see far, I have to look through a certain part of the lens. If I want to see close... I have to look through a different part of the lens. And if I want to see mid-range, I have to look through yet another part of the lens. And if I look through the wrong part of the lens at the wrong thing, I can't see properly. It skews my perception. So I have to be sure I'm looking through the right lens. This verse says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That word consider literally means to see or to regard, to perceive others. The word of, uh, better means it's not, not necessarily quality. It's talking about beyond or above or, or more than. In other words, I could kind of rephrase this and say, in humility, see others more than you see yourself. See others above how you see yourself is what it's talking about. Change the perception. In other words, I see people and I consider that they have value. See, in selfishness, all the value revolves around me. But when I switch the perspective and switch the perception, now I'm seeing that people have value apart from me. And the truth is, what I perceive of value, I will invest in. Okay, if I see value in gold, I'm gonna invest in gold. If I'm a coach, I see value in a player, I'm gonna invest in that player. And spiritually speaking, if I see value in others, I will invest in others. So elevating others happens when I see value in them, when that perception is appropriate. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, the, the context is talking about reconciliation. And it begins the fact that we all need to be reconciled to God because we are at enmity with God. And so to come into a relationship, we have to be reconciled to him. Then it shifts and says, those of us who have been reconciled, we need to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation so that we can help others be reconciled to God as well. Well, verse 15 says that since we're in Christ, we no longer live for ourselves. In other words, when we come to Christ, this selfish perspective has to change. It has to break. We no longer live for ourselves. 
That leads us to verse 16 that says, in that context, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Our perception has changed. Regard, this word again means to see, to come to know, to recognize. The word worldly here is not really talking about that sinful flesh that it sometimes means. It's really talking about self-centeredness. It's talking about ourself. It's talking about this, this selfishness. So really what it's saying is don't perceive others through this lens of selfishness anymore. The worldly view of people is this. It says, I value people based on what they can do for me. I value people that will benefit me. If they can improve my image, if they can benefit me financially, if they can benefit me professionally, if they can help me get up another rung of that ladder, if they can do something that benefits me, I will value them and I will invest in them and I will treat them well. But if they don't, if they're no value to me, I'll either ignore them or abuse them. So to elevate means I'm going to shift my perception. I'm no longer going to see them from a selfish perspective of how they will benefit me. I'm going to see them with the value that they really have. Really what it means, instead of seeing it through the lens of selfishness, instead of seeing others through the lens of selfishness, I see them through God's lens. I see people the way God sees people. And the truth about that is regardless of, of, of others' appearance, regardless of their behavior, regardless of their attitude, regardless of how they treat us, me, you, every person is loved by God. Every person is important to God. God died for every single person. Every single person has value because they are a creation of God. And when we understand how God feels about people, now we're able to shift from looking at them based on how they benefit me. I take the lens of selfishness off. I put the lens of God's grace and love and favor, and I begin to see others the way God sees them. And that affects how I treat them. That enables me to elevate them to where they should be. So that leads me to the third key. Once we have established a proper perspective, which has tweaked our perception of them, now that leads to this third element, which is participation. It now allows us and enables us and empowers us to have this proper participation with them. Look in verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. And this, this, this phrase, look to, literally means to watch out for, to take care of, to tend to, to address. In other words, it's saying do things that not just benefit you, but they benefit others. Don't just look, don't just tend to your own needs. Don't just make life all about you but tend to the needs of others. Make life about helping and investing in other people. Become active in helping other people succeed. There's a variety of ways we can do that. And scripture gives us several ways of how we can participate in the life of others and help them to succeed. Here's one of them, and that's to simply encourage them. Be people of encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage just means to exhort, to, to 
urge, to invite. And build up means to strengthen, to edify, to lift up. In other words, to, to, to develop another person's life through encouragement. These two actions of encouragement and building up, really what it says is, I'm willing to come alongside you and help you be everything God wants you to be. The word encouragement and the gift of encouragement is a very spiritual, uh, a spiritual gift that actually enables people to, to, to have a closer walk with Christ, to walk more deeply with Christ. It's not just kind of a pat on the back, hey, I hope you're having a good day. It's this, I'm gonna come alongside you and I'm going to help you be all that God has called you to be and wants you to be. It involves focusing on the interest of others, on the benefit of others, and looking past mine. We don't ignore our own needs, but we're able to look past those needs and realize that other people have needs as well. Because here's the reality. If we go back to the selfish dynamic that he's saying don't live like this, selfish people, those that have this selfish perspective and perception, they don't encourage others. They don't even build up others. They're either going to tear them down or ignore them or have nothing to do with them. It's these people that have this proper perspective that'll say, hey, I know what God's done in my life. He's reconciled me. He loves you. And I want to come alongside and be a participant in God doing a work in your life and bringing you to where you need to be. But there's another way that we can encourage, another way that we can participate, and that's through service. We can serve them. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Probably someday, maybe not in the distant future, we'll probably have a, a series on gifts and talk about that. But there's one thing gifts are not for, and that's for myself. <laughs> they're not to be used selfishly. They're not to be used for my glory. One of the reasons we have the gifts is to serve others. That's what they're for. And that word literally means to meet practical needs. It's to come alongside people and to participate in what's going on in their life. And I want to come help meet a need that you have so that you can experience Christ and God in a new way. Keep your finger here in Philippians. If you will, flip back to John chapter 13. I want to read just part of a story that talks about this service dynamic. You'll recognize a story very popular story. It's with Jesus. He's with the disciples. He's in this Last Supper uh, before he's about to, to go to the, be arrested in the trial and the crucifixion. So when he's with his disciples, John 13, verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. In other words, he knew, okay, it's about to go down. It's about time for me to go to the cross. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Don't you know that that was an incredible aha moment for the disciples? When I was a senior in high school, I was going to, a, I was attending a Bible study from our church that our youth pastor led. And my mom was the financial secretary of that church, so she was privy to, you know, stuff going on in the church. So, 
that day she had found out what we were going to do in that Bible study. Well, I was playing basketball, and so I had to rush home real quick, and I only had a few minutes to kind of eat and then get to the Bible study. And so mom would always have uh, supper ready for me so I could just fly in, eat real quick, and fly out. So this particular day, we're going to have this Bible study. I fly in, I'm eating, and mom's talking and said, hey, are you excited about Bible study today? I said, yeah, I'm excited. Can I got to hurry. Get so well, I know what's going on. I said, he, he told me what you're going to do today. I said, really, what, what are we going to do? Mom said, you're going to have a foot washing ceremony. You're going to wash people's feet. <laughs> I stopped eating, and I said, you're crazy. And I said to my mom, I'm not going. I'm not washing anybody's feet. I was ticked. Well, mom very calmly said, why? Are you too good to do that? I wanted to scream, yes! <laughs> it's gross. I'm not doing it. Well, we talked for a little bit. I said, okay, I'm going. But I'm not washing anybody's feet. I'll go watch. Well, I went, I ended up washing feet, and it was a, a very uh, life-changing experience. But the concept here of what Jesus did, that the point wasn't to wash people's feet. Jesus is not asking us to go around every day and wash people's feet. What he's asking us to do is to serve others, to lower ourselves, the king, the teacher, the Lord, the discipler, lowers himself to serve his disciples. That's what he's calling us to do. That's the example he's trying to give us, that we are to lower ourselves, lower our pride, and serve others, even if it has zero benefit for me. But we have an attitude, we have this spirit that I'm going to elevate others because I value others, because God values others, and I will humble myself, and I will serve others. In my mid-20s, I went to a, a church that was outside of Dallas a few miles. Um, I, was, I was still young in ministry. I had one year left in seminary and was going to this place to be full-time youth and, and music pastor. And the pastor there was was incredible, the greatest servant I've ever been around. He's still my favorite pastor of all time. His name was Jackie Newton. Unfortunately, he's passed away now. But when I went, went there, um, the church gave us a parsonage. And so we hadn't lived in a house. We just lived in an apartment. We'd only been married for a couple of years. So we moved from this apartment to this parsonage. So I didn't have any yard tools, any mowing. I didn't have anything, okay? But Jackie had all this stuff. I mean, he all had all kinds of stuff. So one day... I uh, wasn't there very long. I had to mow the yard. And so I went to Jackie and said, hey, Jackie, I don't have a mower. I need to mow my yard. Can I borrow your lawnmower? He said, sure. I said, I'll come over. I'll bring it to you in the morning. Well, earlier that morning, I hear, <laughs> I go outside. He's mowing my yard. Well, a few days after that, there had a bunch of hedges and stuff that had to be trimmed. I knew he had this trimmer. I said, hey, Jackie, I've got to trim my, my bushes and stuff. Can I borrow your trimmer? He said, yeah, I'll bring it by in the morning. I said, thank you. Early that morning, I go outside, he's trimming all my hedges. Some mornings I, I show up and I hear some rattling around. He's in there planting flowers in my flower bed. I didn't even ask him to. And so I'm thinking early on, <laughs> said how stupid I am. I'm thinking early on, man, he must, I'm special. He must be really glad I'm here on staff with him. He's treating me so good. He's so fired up that I'm here. And then I realized it had nothing to do with me. 
had to do with him because he did this for everybody. Half of his week, every single week, was out doing stuff just like that for people, some in the church, some out of the church, some just in the city. He was just the greatest servant I've ever been around. It was, I value you and I will serve you. That's what the passage is trying to communicate, that we will have a participation with people, that we will have a spirit that says, I value you and I want to give my life in service to you so that you can understand the goodness of God, the love of Christ, and know how much God cares for you. But you can also participate by praying for people. You can't elevate anybody any higher than the throne of grace. And when you pray for them, you're elevating them to say, I value you and I want God to do something incredible in your life. That leads me to the final element. Supposed to have the right perspective. That helps us have the right perception, which creates this ability to have this active participation. But the final is the key, and that's persistence. It needs to be a persistence involved. Verse 4, it says, each of you should look. Really in the tense, what that is saying is each of you should keep looking. Each of you should always look. In other words, this is a lifestyle. This is a mindset. What he's trying to communicate here is I'm trying to get you to a, a lifestyle and a mindset like this, that you're no longer thinking of yourself. You're no longer thinking about what benefits me, but you've shifted your lifestyle and your mindset to say my life is about helping you. My life is about helping others. My life is about ministering to other people so that they can be ministered to and sense and feel the love of Christ. So how do we do that? Well, we do that in a lot of ways. Let me give you a little homework. Just some ideas of how you can do this. One way is when we meet corporately, when we come to corporate worship service, you can minister to others by being the initiator. You know, a lot of times when we come to the, to the worship service, we, we're thinking about ourselves. What am I going to get out of this? Is somebody going to come talk to me? Is somebody going to introduce themselves to me? Is somebody going to initiate conversation with me? Am I going to feel welcome? Am I going to feel loved? Am I going to feel accepted? What if we switch that? And every one of us, when we come into the corporate worship, we say, how can I help somebody else? be loved? How can I help someone else feel special? How can I initiate? Where well, we become the initiators. And it's not about us. It's not about how we feel. It's not about if anybody comes to us. But my mindset is the minute I come into this place, I'm seeking out people that I can meet, that I can greet, that I can love on, that I can talk to, that I can welcome, that I can make feel loved. That's one way, very practical way that you can practice this verse. Another way is just to pray for people. Just make a list. I challenge you this week just to make a list. It doesn't have to be a hundred names. It can be two or three names that you're going to commit to. You know what's going on in their life. You know some, there's some issues, so you want to lift them up. So put them on your prayer list and every single day just pray for them. That's elevating others. You can also find a way to serve others. I challenge you this week, just, just find some way, some random way that you can serve others. It won't benefit you at all. In fact, it's going to inconvenience you. It's going to cost you something. But you're going to do it because you want to say, 
I invest in others and I want that to be my lifestyle. So really what he's trying to say is in humility, consider others even more than we consider ourselves. Because the cool thing about humility is it elevates Christ in my life. People see Christ in me instead of seeing me. And it elevates people so that I value people even more than my own needs. In humility, may we elevate others. Would you bow with me this morning? Thanks for listening. We truly hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org.